Welcome to iDGen, where each week we track down and explore the most exciting crypto stories, hacks, scams, exploits, and anything else that feeds our crypto curiosity. Welcome, DGens. Come one, come all. How you doing this week, Zach? I am doing all right, Hunt. How about yourself? Oh, staying good. We're uh, trying our first episode recording remotely. I'm in Florida and you are in Colorado, so hopefully this works out. Yeah, it's been fun getting the the different setups worked out for this one. It's going to be fun to marry the audio afterwards and see if we can get get it to high quality like I like. Yeah, we all know you're, or at least I know you're an audio nerd, and so I know you really respect the quality, so uh, I hope this turns out well for everybody. But uh, yeah, in this week, we got our episode summary. We got uh, this week's episode, we're taking a deep dive into the seemingly more common downtime for the Solana network, as well as discussing the Bored Ape Yacht Club Metaverse land sale and the effect that it had on the Ethereum network. And we'll be diving into the top news stories this week. Uh, so let's just jump right into it and get discussing. So uh, this week, Binance and Sequoia revealed as investors backing Elon Musk's Twitter purchase. Uh, Bloomberg also reports that Argentinian banks are banning them are now banned from offering purchases of digital assets to their customers, making two Argentinian banks backtrack on previous plans. We also have ENS, the Ethereum name service NFTs have now overtaken the Board Ape Yacht Club in daily trading volume. A U.S. court orders BitMEX founders to pay $30 million in fine for illegal trading practices. Then moving on, we have Kronos DeFi project MM Finance suffers a $2 million hack through a malicious contract. The company has vowed to reimburse all affected users. Now we have The Block, Jack Dorsey's company, formerly Square, posted its Q1 earnings and processed $1.7 billion in Bitcoin transaction. But by the looks of the Q1 report, they have not added any more BTC to their balance sheet. And then last but not least, uh, CryptoDetectives.net reporting that a hacker stole $80 million from Rari Capital, and they have now issued a $10 million bounty for information that leads to the discovery of this hacker. I think we're going to have to get more into details and report more if uh, they actually this $10 million actually helps find them. Uh, but all pretty interesting stuff this week, as always. Yeah, definitely. I... I wanted to dig a little more into that Rari one. I didn't get time um, to look at it this week, but I like the I like the bounty idea um, versus the like offering the the attacker. I thought I, I don't know maybe I, I'm mixed up, but I thought that I thought that they had offered the attacker ten million. But a bounty sounds better to me because um, I, I don't know like if, if you own a protocol for all this money and then they say like hey we'll, we'll give us back the money and we'll give you you know, a, a small fraction of what you stole. I just, I just would be very hesitant to trust something like that because they're gonna send you that cash, and then it's, um, I don't know. Are you, are you, are they really gonna leave you alone? You know, yeah, doubtfully. Right. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. 
Yes, you took a dive into uh, Solana this week, and I wouldn't, you know, knowing you, I wouldn't say you're a huge Solana guy. I don't think you're an anti-Solana guy. I just don't know if you've taken the time to research it. But uh, what what did your learnings teach you about Solana and uh, a little bit about the incident that happened this week and the outages that seem to be happening all the time? Yeah. So for this week's deep dive, we did dig in to the Solana outage. So that was um, the first of May, right? Uh, the Solana blockchain suffered their 11th outage of all time, 7th of 2022. And uh, network was down for about seven hours. This is, you know, these are fascinating to, to look into. And it, it quickly leads into a conversation about decentralization versus centralized centralized blockchains and you know before we get into you know maybe go down those rabbit holes though just some some basics about what happened what i found you know as you mentioned hunt i'm not super well versed on how solana works their proof of history consensus mechanism is not something that i'm really deep in understanding but uh with this particular incident it really isn't that complicated so there's a application uh, produced by these guys the metaplex and it's called the candy machine and they call it the candy machine because it's supposed to function like a candy machine where um you sell candy until it runs out right and so uh, the candy machine allows folks to generate their own NFT collections, build communities, host of kind of different things. As I understand it, the main purpose is focused around minting NFTs. So, you know, uh, users easily creating these NFT collections and, and selling them. And I also, one of the cool things about the candy machine seems to be that it doesn't, it, it makes it easier to sell directly through your own interface, not on something like OpenSea or a, you know, a centralized, um, you know, centralized marketplace. So that, uh, that application, the candy machine came under attack. Uh, I, although th th and this is where I'm, I'm not really sure if we can call it an attack. So essentially you had bots that were attempting to purchase NFTs and I wasn't able to figure out if there was like a specific collection on sale or what, I don't know, Hunt, did you read anything about that? I'm not sure if it was a specific collection or not, but it seems like, you know, this being the 11th time this uh, Solana network went down, that this can't just be a, a random thing that just happened because of a big NFT sale, but I'm not 100% sure of the, uh, the answer to that. Yeah, I, I couldn't find either. And um, most of the articles are, are kind of copy paste on this. It, it's just Solana went down, was down for seven hours, network was flooded with bot traffic. So what these bots were doing was um, attempting to purchase NFTs. However, the way that the candy machine is designed, uh, transactions are rejected if you attempt to purchase before the sale has started, which obviously makes sense, right? If, if they're not for sale, you can't purchase them. Yeah, and there's a number of other conditions um, that they, they kind of help uh, try to, you know, only allow specific purchases to be made, right, or, or whatever. So, um, 
yeah, again, I, I don't know if it was like a specific NFT collection. I didn't see anything about it. So if it was just kind of like a wave of bots, then perhaps, you know, maybe it was an actual attack. Maybe it was somebody looking to stress test the network. That part is, is just unclear to me. It, in a certain sense, though, it really doesn't matter that detail, you know, because the network needs to be resistant to floods of traffic, period. I mean, it, it, yeah. if, if it's on purpose or not. Yeah, right. Yeah, the way I understand it is, you know, Solana has taken some trade-offs where Ethereum has not, and it's very cheap and affordable to transact. It's fast and cheap, but that also opens them up to more bot traffic because if you put an Ethereum uh, bot on doing the same thing, trying to target NFT sales, if it misses these sales, it's going to rack up a huge bill in ETH gas fees because it's expensive to use the Ethereum network. But, you know, that expensive gas fee i think also equals security you know it equals a way to keep the network honest and people not spamming transactions so i think that's a downside to solana that if they are you know cheap and fast it doesn't really matter if bots can spam it and bring down the network for the 11th time and you know has ethereum ever gone down like this zach no uh, ethereum has not so the difference in in Interestingly enough, that the same day that this happened to Solana on Saturday, May 1st, the Ethereum's network, you know, the Board Ape Yacht Club, which we'll talk about, did their other side metaverse sale. And there was a similar kind of surge in, in demand. And by design, what happens is the price rises of transactions. So the network itself cannot go down we've not seen ethereum as a network fall down when solana went down like this there they had to coordinate in discord and the node operators had to restart the nodes so that Oof. something like that has never happened on ethereum i think that if that did happen we would we would say that ethereum is sufficiently broken like it isn't the the solution it, it isn't the network that we thought it was if that would ever happen however what a lot of people would point out is that um, even going back as far as some of the early days of Ethereum with the CryptoKitties, when, when they launched and the network became heavily congested, it is a bit of a toss up, you know, to say, okay, the network's not down, but it's not usable, right? So, so where Solana was actually down, down, the nodes had to be restarted, the consensus was not occurring. In yeah, case of CryptoKitties, Right, right. Like you could still use the network. I remember when CryptoKitties mm -hmm. happened in 2017, it was just very expensive, but it wasn't like the network was broken. It was just extremely expensive and a lot of demand for that block space. But if you needed to execute a trade and you had the ETH and the funds to do it, there was nobody stopping you from doing it. And the network still processed your transaction. That's right. And it, it was problematic. I, you know, we, I had an, I had a DAP going on Ethereum at the time. I'm sorry, it wasn't a DAP on Ethereum, but it was an application that leveraged Ethereum transactions. And, you know, we had, we saw a high throughput of transaction volume on a pretty regular basis. Uh, and when CryptoKitties kicked off, we had sent a number of transactions out with at what at the time and previously had been a good fee. You know, we're talking like two guay, three guay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and but those were then stuck for days, 
in the mempool unless we wanted to to bump fees on them. So, you know, there's arguments on both sides to be made, but I think at the end of the day, why if your network is your blockchain is susceptible to literally having to be restarted and taken offline, it's not in, in my it's not a I don't think you can call it a blockchain. It's not a decentralized application in the same yeah. sense of something like Ethereum. I, I it just agree. isn't. It just isn't. And, and so then it's like, well, if you're not, then why not just make it fully centralized? You know, because I don't think Solana users understand those trade-offs necessarily. All of them, maybe. Right? Yeah, they might not care. It doesn't seem like the price is ever affected. I always see it these was networks in go this down. Case. It was. The Solana price dropped, uh, I believe it was 10% Okay. when so when this happened. Yeah, in, in this particular case. I didn't look back at the other ones, but the network did, um, which is what should happen. Let's be honest. Like, Yeah, 10% seems even a little slight, though. I would, I would expect if Ethereum went down in a similar way, it would go down 80%. That would be my guess, because Ethereum users seem to really care about the network staying up and decentralization. Mm -hmm. And if it's not coming through with those promises, then it, it's broken, as you said before. Yep. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. That would be I, I think Ethereum would be in in really tough, uh, tough spot. So yeah, it, one thing it, I wanted it, to point out about the Metaplex uh, side of things with this candy machine, on their main page, one of the th the bullet points that they highlight says security prevent bots from interfering with NFT sales with decentralized architecture, certified collections and captchas. And so this is where oh I start to wonder how th I don't know, th this causes me to question maybe the level of experience of the metaplex team if it you, makes me question everything if you're if you're saying it's it's that statement basically said it's protecting against exactly what happened and then it happened so now i question kind of everything that they tell me about the solana network exactly and it's the decent the lack of decentralized architecture right that prevented the bots so they're wrong about that certified collections is a different security element and altogether not part of this conversation but i let's be honest someone's going to game the certified collections at some point right it's the typical web 2 cat and mouse game and then captchas if you are relying on the security of your network captchas is a pillar of security for your decentralized network i don't even know um i don't know i don't know what to tell you like i would not doesn't sound very up to date. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like uh, 2009's calling and wants its security back. Seriously, like we've known you can beat CAPTCHAs for a fraction of a penny a piece by outsourcing CAPTCHA solving to, you know, the, these different markets around the world. That's like known. It's easy to do. If the incentive for beating a CAPTCHA, if there's financial incentive that's more than like a fraction of a penny, there's people that that you know farm out you know farm that out they're not yeah so okay so the security on the metaplex side interesting so then metaplex metaplex poses a solution and this i thought was super interesting so their solution that that these guys pose uh, posts on twitter um a link to a github pull request and 
essentially uh, the idea is, you know, hey, how are we going to thwart these um, these these bots? And so what they do is they propose a fee on failed transactions of 0.01 sol. <clears throat> and on that Twitter thread, they then post a poll, and it the results with 5,050 votes. The question is, should we merge this PR? So pull request is is a piece of code that, you know, getting merged into a repository. They're open source, boom. So they, they pose their solution. The vote, 5,050 votes, no, 75% no, 25% yes. And the comments are, oh, this is the ETH maxis have showed up, the AVAX maxis have showed up, and they're they're voting this no because they don't want to see us succeed. Um, this is, the bots are just coming here, the bots are on Twitter, and they're voting no. And, okay, so that in and of itself is hilarious to me, that the, the solution to a botting problem on Solana can't be discussed on Twitter because of a botting problem on Twitter. That's obviously speculation. The The thing that, that really comes into play here is when you dig into their solution, um, they are pretty clear about a couple things. And one of them is, however, there are edge cases where a real user could get punished. Edge case one, the UI allows someone to try and mint before the date or doesn't check that they have the right tokens. And if a user's transactions does not make it through fast at the end of a mint and the candy machine runs out, they're going to get charged 0.01 soul. So, <clears throat> okay, this is the um, and the, the cat and mouse problem with security solutions. So they've come up with a quick solution that they think is going to improve the problem. However, it now introduces new problems. This is an anti-pattern legitimate users are going to get charged those fees by accidentally if they if they try to get a transaction through and they miss the mint by 30 seconds they're going to get dinged if they try it early they're going to get dinged so in an attempt to solve the bot problem the edge cases now are going to punish legitimate users this is going to go back and forth around in circles and it's not it um it, this is not a good solution like you can't it might temporarily reduce problems for the candy machine itself, but the overall problem here is with the network itself, right? With Solana, because what is gonna stop transactions from flooding any other application? And uh, there is another clause in here worth noting on their solution, and that is that you can actually uh, this PR adds a hard-coded bot tax of 0.01 soul. We may increase this, and it will charge the wallet this amount or all of their funds, whatever is higher under the following circumstances. Okay, so then it goes through these different circumstances, and so, so did you hear that last part? Or oh, yeah. all of their funds. So Yeah, that's scary. Yeah, so if you're an edge case, if you're a new user, if someone's UI wasn't constructed correctly, if the timestamps are out of alignment and you think the auction started and you send a transaction in to mint and you somehow get caught up in this anti-bot trap, you can literally lose all of your funds. Um, Yikes. That would make me think twice. 
I mean, it's, it's not like everything about this is, um, it's not good. I don't know. I wouldn't trust that network. It might be fine for just, you know, playing around and, and minting NFTs. But if you're like seriously running financial applications, DeFi things that you need to rely on, they, Solana is, is not the place. Now, yeah, I mean, they might make you whole. You never know. It's a more centralized company, whereas Ethereum would definitely not take that uh, responsibility. But Solana is, I don't think their users care as much about decentralization. It doesn't seem like from the Twitter threads that I've seen that people are, are that worried about these outages where, you know, the Ethereum users are definitely worried about decentralization and these outages happening. But it seems like the people who just want to get a cheap NFT, a $5, $10 NFT in their hands, they're not that worried about it being a little more centralized. So who knows what the right answer is? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. I don't, I'm not sure that, I don't know if, if they truly understand with the implications you know, of, of a network just being able to, a blockchain being able to shut down. And I, I feel like if, if they did, why not just have PayPal mint your NFTs, right? Like, I don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's not, not a great example, or maybe it's a little bit extreme, but y you know, and it, and it isn't, it is a spectrum, right? It's not just like, are you centralized or decentralized? There's, you know, these are complex networks, a lot of moving parts, and it's not just that simple to say. However, uh, as we did talk about a little bit with this, the same day, the Ethereum side, the uh, Board Ape Yacht Club released their metaverse land oh, sale. Yeah. Everybody's talking about this one. And this pushed Ethereum fees to, you know, higher rates than all time. I, man, you can't help but think it's probably just a coincidence that these things happen on the same day. But, um, you never what, know. It's a, it's a pretty good coincidence if there is one. I know. Right. It's such an, it, it's such a great foundation to talk about the, the merits of the different networks or blockchains and how they, you know, react to these kinds of situations. There's folks out there saying that, Ethereum did exactly what it was supposed to do and it worked. And I think that's technically and factually correct. However, you know, it, it kept the network up and that is important. That's extremely important, but at what cost? Yeah. Right? There's people out there. It, I mean, a little background on what happened is, you know, one of the most popular NFT collections, uh, Board Ape Yacht Club, uh, they're, owners or promoters yugo labs did a metaverse land sale and it went on sale and there was so much demand for people wanting to get these uh nfts that represented land in the metaverse that everybody was rushing to buy at the same time that i saw stories as high as one and i think zach you said you even saw some as high as two eth for one transaction is that correct that's what i read wow yep. that's that's wild and it's just uh you know, and what if some of those were failed transactions? If you have a transaction that doesn't go through correctly on Ethereum or somebody beats you out, that is, there's no refunding you and sending you your ETH gas back. And, you know, it's a, it's a very interesting story because now there are people coming out saying like, it, 
were these contracts that were written to do this sale, were they optimized to have lower gas fees? I'm not a technical person, but people are accusing them of saying that they could have done this on sale better. They could have uh, not kind of brought the network to a slow and expensive point, but they chose not to. And I think there must be some merit to that because uh, I've seen stories on Twitter about people talking about how Yugo Labs is going to reimburse people for their lost gas fees that they spent trying to buy this metaverse on sale. And so I think that's, if they didn't do anything wrong, they probably wouldn't take that ownership. What are your thoughts on that precedent they're setting? Yeah, so, okay. On the idea of like optimized contracts, I read a little bit about it. I do not subscribe to the idea that Yugo Labs should be held responsible for not optimizing, you know, perfectly optimizing the contract itself. So there's like a lot of little things you can do in Solidity, the way that functions are written. And a lot of times when you go through an audit, they're going to point those out to you and tell you, hey, if you do this this way, if you use this variable type, you can save a little bit of gas. Those types of little gas savings, okay, some can be bigger than others for sure. Some can be just, you know, serious, you know, errors in the way that you've set it up or very problematic. But those types of little gas optimizations, even medium ones, I don't think that that's something you can put on Yugo Labs here in the same way that I don't think that Solana's network going down is really Metaplex's problem. Like Metaplex having a, trying to pose a solution, okay, but it isn't going to be a solution for the next, you know, the next group down the road. And so it, in beyond that, one of the other things that I heard mentioned was like, Hey, they didn't have to, they could have done a Dutch auction. They could have done it this way. They could have done it that way. And so then the theory sort of emerged that, uh, I heard it was, you know, it was called a conspiracy theory, but whatever. Somebody mentioned that, like, I think along the lines of what you were saying, Hunt, that, did they do this on purpose? Did they carelessly do this so that they could make a point that, you know, to then move to their own chain? Yeah, right? that's that's a really good point. That was that was the response to the criticism is is not pointing the finger at themselves and saying we had anything to do with this, saying that Ethereum obviously can't handle the demand and saying that they wanted to now go to their own chain or side chain um, which is a pretty bold statement in my opinion for an ethereum based nft collection to be kind of saying that yeah i i, I think the example is um uh who's behind crypto kitties what was the um the labs something labs company sorry i, I don't remember but i remember when they bailed on ethereum and, and kind of like you know and it was just like i don't know i feel like it's a little bit like biting the hand that feeds and oh, yeah. you're totally right it's never worked for anybody else who said that like oh ethereum can't do this we're going to build our own chain and have our own token and there hasn't been a story yet where somebody has successfully built their own chain and it's gotten the same level of adoption that that product had on ethereum right right uh dapper labs sorry can't remember that was the name of those guys for that did the, the kitties and yeah so okay so who knows right if if this was a planned move we're going to launch this sale in such a way that it 
takes down, you know, massively spikes gas fees. Yeah. Um, there's so many ways you could, if you want to go down like the, the conspiracy route of it, you could also think that they didn't care because they wanted to make news. They wanted to be in the news. They, the idea of being the most sought after Ooh. NFT ever on Ethereum is going to be news generating, spiking the fees is going to generate news, those articles, their name's going to be in the news. There's so many ways that you could, I think, conspiratorially speculate oh, yeah. on the potential motives. But one piece, there's a great, um, I'm, I'm just I, I like religiously now listening to the uh, Markets Daily podcast. There was one yesterday on this topic, but their focus was not just about um, the Board Ape Yacht Club's land sale itself, but the centralization of the 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 holders. Right. So in this with this land metaverse sale, the the other side sale, if you already held a board ape, you had the ability to mint your land separately outside of this token sale, right? With it, at a fraction of the fees. And so it's sort of this narrative of like the rich get richer. Like it keeps, um, you know, they keep like creating more wealth for themselves. So then you had the ape coin. So this particular auction, you know, is done in ape coin. So look, did you look at the price? Or did you track that at all? The price of ApeCoin leading up to this? I've watched the price of ApeCoin. It looked like it was up 25 to 50% um, before this. Is that correct? That's right. And then you know what happened to it after? I'm going to guess it fell back to earth. 40, 50% drop. Yep. Because, you know, of course, people were buying in in hopes of landing these NFTs. So they bought up the ApeCoin. So um, the another element that was interesting I think of this discussion is Yuga Labs is the is is behind you know the Board Ape Yacht Club but now there's the the Ape DAO or I don't is it called the Ape DAO it's whatever yeah. the... they've also bought CryptoPunks the Yuga Labs so they're a, they're a major player in the NFT space and the Ethereum space so you know like how are you going to go about buying the entire first collection of CryptoPunks, which was the you know one of the first NFTs on Ethereum, and then go out and start bashing Ethereum. It's it's interesting because Ethereum is a is a halfway done product. It is not even completed its trans uh, transformation to proof of stake, and it hasn't even gotten its full uh, repertoire of layer twos and rollups and shardings. There's so much more on the roadmap, and to kind of uh, talk poorly about a network that's been so good to them that is only halfway done is like it's like talking about a six-year-old baseball playing and be like you're not good enough for the the pros it's like well there's a lot of time for that six-year-old to to hone their skills in until they get ready where they're eligible for the pros and so you know i think it's definitely biting the hand that feeds them <clears throat> yeah i think criticism is healthy even of of the networks you run on. But in this case, I, I just, I feel like, okay, okay. So going back to the idea of like the ape DAO or whatever it is, the Yuga Labs saying we should move to a new chain. So as I understand it, the DAO controls the direction of the ape coin and token. And so for Yuga Labs to make a suggestion to the DAO like that, 
okay, who is really in control? If the Yuga Labs team, you know, how much ape coin do they hold? How many board apes do they hold? And this is where it starts to go, are they gonna run into some problems with the SEC? Because the whole, uh, there's there's like, it seems to me there's two kind of primary reasons I think that people pursue DAOs. One is like this genuine belief in decentralization of power, of diversity, of inclusion, and you know, getting you know all this do-gooder Web three kind of stuff. And then there's this other stream, which is that by launching a DAO, it's autonomous. We're not there, there's no there's no single person or people that are could be you know you can come after for for violating certain regulations laws yeah, rules, the, whatever the legal the legality of the matter really matters yeah <laughs> you know and i it sounds kind of foolish but i didn't even have that on my radar um until a few months back when i was doing some some of this research and it was like oh wow okay yeah that's like a primary motivator for a lot of people to start a dow is to avoid regulation and so in the case of the board board apes if Yuga Labs is actively suggesting to the DAO how to direct ApeCoin, Ape, and, and you know they're a like a U.S. based company. Wh where's the line? Like, why now isn't ApeCoin a security? So that's a really good point, Zach. Yeah, that's what they're talking about in that Markets Daily, and it was like, and then, and then the centralization of like who owns most of the ApeCoin. And these things so I, I don't know the whole thing just feels a little like it just it doesn't it, have it doesn't, a, a good good vibe going in my yeah. opinion and, and, and it, what what would have made it f better to me is instead of talking about it on Twitter and kind of making a very public threat of you know we could build our own chain is you know let the DAO source the DAO and say have you heard any other ideas for for us doing this on sale, what could we have done to make this more smooth? Why not, you know, involve the Ethereum core developers and say, hey, what did we do correctly on this on sale? Or what could we do better next time to work more hand in hand with Ethereum and not have such issues next time? But instead of kind of having some behind closed doors conversations, some inner DAO conversations, they kind of pulled out the pitchforks and kind of just took the the easy way and kind of took a cheap shot, just, you know, bitching about Ethereum. And, and instead of saying, how can we fix this with roll-ups or shardings or using layer twos, they just said, let's do the, the easy basic thing and build our own new chain, which we've seen a million people try and not work. So I wish they had gone about it in a little bit different of a way. Yeah, to be fair though, that tweet came like that was like a single tweet from Yuga Labs that very shortly after and it is all it's also distinctly possible that like or very possible that they just they weren't you know someone was just being reactionary and hadn't thought through it and didn't understand it i did hear that they have already partnered with polygon and they're working to move things to I didn't, I didn't see beyond that, so I don't know if it's the Polygon POS chain or maybe a more proper L2. I know Polygon is working on multiple, I think multiple different actual like roll-up solutions for L2. But just yeah, just to, you know, for the sake of discussion, I'm not sure that that they were like, it, let's say it wasn't a conspiracy. They didn't do this intentionally. Let's say it was that they didn't think through it very well 
and they weren't super concerned with gas fees because they know a lot of the board ape holders are very wealthy and so they were just like whatever we'll just do it this way and then someone's like oh man like you know what maybe we need to move to our own chain half thought through don't really understand the implications of it you know uh if that's all kind of the case then it would make sense now they're rolling they're going to move to polygon however i wanted to read this tweet i came across a couple days ago in in relation to this topic nader debit who's uh at debit three uh he's got i've seen a lot of his stuff around he, he does like a lot of tutorials i think he works at the graph protocol or something super smart dude and uh, well, let's just let the tweet speak for itself. So the current gas prices are bearish as fuck for Ethereum and every person who even tries to argue otherwise makes me even more bearish on all of this shit. The level of mental gymnastics people go through to justify this shit is sickening. An ungodly amount of resources are being locked into a chain that 99.99% of the world's population will simply not have access to. This is not what I signed up for and why I'm certain the monolithic approach to building blockchain networks is not the way forward. If we're using rollups, then why not just use a different chain altogether that is not limited to the constraints of the underlying L1, especially in the future when we'll see more and more innovation happening. Uh, there's a... the the it continues on and he gets into some stuff that on another show i really want to talk about this difference between a what is now emerging as a, a monolithic blockchain versus modular really interesting stuff but hunt i'm curious to know what your your thoughts are on that that uh thread. i think it's uh it's definitely got some valid points it's not something that we should just say this guy has no idea what he's talking about because i think he does make some good points um but i think that it's very easy to say that stuff on the surface and sure it in ethereum in its current format yes all of those things are true but i, I think people just don't look at ethereum as much as a unfinished project that is on its way to being finished and i think if people look at it that way and say you know in five years when it's finished its roadmap then it's a lot those those criticisms hold a lot more weight to me but them saying it so early you know we haven't even moved to proof of stake yet which has been on the roadmap since the very beginning days of ethereum that you know it, it's like great everybody can attack the the new technology having growing pains and like sure they could make some trade-offs in centralization and be a little bit more like a solana but we see kind of from earlier in our show what happens with chains like solana so you know i, I think like you also said in this show criticisms are good we need to be looking at this with an open eye and you know not just being moon boys and only think about the good parts of ethereum but we need to like look at it objectively but i think that's a little bit too far on one side and pretty emotional in my opinion and you know i don't think everybody in 10 years is going to be i think people will laugh about the fact that we used ethereum layer one and us as humans interacted with it because i think everything in the future is going to be on top of ethereum and be a couple layers deep and so you know i think that uh he's got some points but i wish you know i'd love to have a discussion with him about you know going into more detail because it's easy to raise criticisms but until you come up with a better solution of how we can get to that you know 
decentralized world that everybody wants with also having insane security high throughput and you know kind of solving the blockchain scalability trilemma then you know it's just a a, a criticism which anybody can make yeah to be fair i didn't get to the end where he actually does he does go into potential solutions or what he sees as being solutions uh, you know that being said i think for me a couple things that resonated is this idea that like uh 99.9 .9 of the people will not have access to it this is not what i signed up for that resonates with me because that really is part of the foundation of what me what got me into crypto in the beginning and blockchain you know is this idea of like these banks hitting me with these overdraft fees it's insane like there's no other options credit card fees like there has to be a better way there has to be a, a different system out there and that system should be accessible to everyone it shouldn't just be accessible to the wealthy so um l2s great and i like the idea uh some of the like the roll-up technology is you know, fascinating, amazing stuff. And it's really cool. However, this point that he makes that in the Ethereum world, L2s will always be under the constraints of the L1 block space and price essentially, right? Um, by, you know, availability of, of block space on that L1 because the rollups are, are written, you know, as, as, a, as data to L1. So if the L1's expensive, that's, you know, that that resonated with me also because I've kept pretty close eye. Try to, I try to keep an eye on like what the different transaction fees are for the Ethereum L2s at any given time. And, you know, most of the time I look, I'm like, well, what the hell? Like it's still some of these networks, it's like a dollar fifty or more to transact on an L2. And I know that improvements can be made. Uh, I, I know that there's improvements can be made to the L2s and the L1 itself. But there is also this idea that maybe there is a better way to do this. And this idea of a modular system where we separate out the execution of the blocks to the, to the, to the L2 style. And there's, there's kind of like this um, base chain that handles executing anyways I don't, I don't want to get too much into some of these modular solutions we could go on forever about this this definitely could be I don't, its own show it's yeah and i don't i don't know a lot about it to be honest like i've really started digging in i mean cosmos has been around forever and i don't know there's cool things with cosmos but it never seemed to really pick up it, it uh i think they've done well i don't know in the last year or two i think they're, they're doing all right but i know there were a lot of problems but as I understand these new solutions, uh, one in specific I've got my eyes on that is uh, in this modular space, there's a lot of the um, OG Cosmos people are actually involved in it. So I think it's kind of like there might be something better on the horizon in a way that you separate all these responsibilities so that a, the blockchain, the single chain itself isn't responsible for handling everything um, all of these key components of the blockchain. So I don't know. I thought it was really interesting. And I think it's 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 just healthy to be able to criticize the, you know, the the networks, you know, even as like if, if that happens to be the one you're holding most, like it's super healthy to have 
a conversation about what those problems might be. And I don't know. It's definitely healthy. And I definitely think we should continue to have them um, on IDGen and between all the community members, because as soon as you get to one sided, uh, so many people have investment behind their thesis on which chain is going to win and it sometimes clouds their judgment. So I think it's always good to kind of keep everybody's own mind in check and just know that nobody knows the future as talented of a team as building a product. It doesn't mean that it's going to be the end all be all, or it could be the, the, you know, the one chain that rules them all. We don't know. We're going to have to see it all play out. But, you know, I agree with you, Zach. It's it's really good to have these uh, more critical conversations where it's just not all sunshine and rainbows, but we're talking about, you know, the real hurdles that we got to face and kind of overcome to, to kind of achieve the decentralized future that we all want. Yeah, man. Sounds good. This has been a um, fun chatting with you, Hunt. I'm looking forward to next week as always. Hopefully yeah. our... Our remote setup here will be able to get it dialed in is is nice i just i i, I honestly like part of for me it's like j i have as much fun with the audio engineering side of things as i do even like getting on and talking about this stuff so oh, oh i'm glad you do because i i do not that is not my forte or something i do but i i enjoy hearing your passion when you talk about this uh the audio files and the quality and i'm sure people out there listening appreciate your uh quest for the perfect sound yeah i don't know how much it really matters at the end of the day i was listening to some other uh crypto podcasts this week one in particular that like the the like the p's and the s's are like popping like hard like there's like it's terrible quality and it's a really popular podcast and so it doesn't matter that much i enjoy it i love messing with that part of it so we'll see what we can do on this this one i've also got a couple fun uh sound effects i've been uh tracking down so episode yeah. six id gen hunt enjoy the uh the everglades stay safe out there yes. and we'll catch you next week all right catch you next week everybody take care later Thank you.